Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a stomp with a guest to take a little meander into their life. In this episode, I'm delighted to be speaking to Merlin Griffiths. You'll probably know Merlin best as the lovable bartender from Channel 4's First Dates. He's an extremely experienced mixologist, having done it for the past 20 years, and also owns two pubs of his own. More recently, Merlin was diagnosed with bowel cancer and hasn't shied away from sharing his experiences on social media. In turn, raising awareness of the disease, which is fantastic, as getting checked and getting an early diagnosis really can save lives. Before we start this week's stomp with Merlin, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's got a copy of A Better Day. The reaction's been unbelievable and it means a lot to me. I really did put everything into that book. I believe it can really help people around this country. It's essential to sit down and read this book. Whether you're a parent, a teacher, uh, adult with a young person in their lives, please check it out. It's aimed at 11 to 14 year olds. I hope it'll be a little tool, a friend for them in good days and bad. It's available now, online, or in any good bookstore. We'll also put a link in the show notes. Cheers, guys. Great, let's do it. Let's go. I mean, I am... Chaos! I went through a period of my life behind bars where I was actually so clumsy, I would deliberately do that at the beginning of a shift. I'd break a glass just yeah. to try and exercise any demons. Yeah, just get it all out. Oh, really, just get it out. It's, it's like a British thing, isn't it? That it doesn't matter what time of day or where you are, uh, what part of the country you're in, if a glass drops on the floor, everyone cheers. It's they an do. odd thing, isn't it? They Why do. do we cheer? Because then you're like, oh, that could be a beautiful pint of ale that's just smashed on the floor, but we'll cheer. You're just, well, exactly. You're trying to make it easier on the person, isn't it? It's much better than go, ooh. ooh. Or, or just absolute silence afterwards. Yeah. Laugh, so, it's a British thing, laughing it off, isn't it? I think slightly British. Spanish do it as well. Alegría. Is it? Alegría. Alegría. Yeah, I noticed that. Well, I, I spent some time in, in Ibiza when I was very, very young, working some bars there. Well, we are in the, in the wonderful countryside here. We've got rolling hills. It's beautiful indeed. Should we talk a little bit about why we're stomping here? And then we're going to go through our five senses just to give our stompers a good kind of picture in a way, I guess, of where we are, what we're experiencing. So why are we stomping here? Why are we stomping here? I spent from my teenagers several decades and a bit in London. And I have to say it just got a little bit too much. I remember clearly waking up one morning and hearing jackhammers again. And it dawned on me that for almost eight years, I had not woken up once to anything other than the sound of jackhammers or scaffolding or roadworks oh. or something loud and noisy. And I decided it was time for a bit of peace and quiet. And that's why we're walking here. This, is, this was all about a change in quality of life moving to the countryside and we're walking here because it's just quite frankly beautiful this is why we chose to to take a pub here as well so basically london became a bit too too much is that fair just too much i mean yeah and, and at that point 
Lucinda and I, we had our daughter as well. She was only three. And you start sort of looking at her at three. They're mobile at three, you see. Because, you know, they're going around all over the place. And while it's nice, you've got all the, you know, great parks and things you can take your daughter to see. At the same time, you're a bit like, but I want her to be able to sort of roam around freely yeah. as well, without actually having to constantly jump or stay 30 centimetres away from her at yeah. all times, yeah. just in case yeah, 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 yeah. kind of thing. And that's the other reason. So countryside, yeah, I knew that by the time she gets to five and six, probably wakes up an hour or two before us yeah. and starts roaming around. If she gets outside, that's fine. Where's she going to go? The field? Get in trouble with some sheep? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Before we go any further, let's go through our five senses for everyone listening. Again, to give a real picture of, of where we are. Yeah. And actually, as we say that, can you hear this, listeners? Maybe a bit of ASMR. You can hear the gentle rain dropping on the leaves because it is raining a little bit here yeah. at the moment. Let's go through it. So let's start with that, I guess. Sound. What can you hear? What can you hear? Not a lot, which is nice. That My is hearing is nice. appalling, but um, I can hear a light breeze, little rustling of leaves, and as you say, the rain, birds. Yeah, you can hear, you can hear some birds yes. in, the, in, the, in the distance Not a lot of them left, well. the last few, fattening themselves up before winter. Yes, getting ready for the cold, yeah. which actually I'm kind of ready for a bit of cooler weather, I must say. Yeah, quite a relief, isn't it? So sound, let's have a look at sight. What can you see? And that's a perfect moment as we're walking out through the gate out into an open field. What can we see? Yes, green, green grass, hedgerows, well maintained around here, some of them nicely grown, lots of extra cover for wildlife. I know that you're going to find loads up through there at night um, and during the daytimes. Um, I can see the hill rising up. You can actually see, see the undulations there. Yeah. It's the old uh, tithing marks. They have from when, uh, so it's the, the old medieval way of, of ploughing your fields and you have really? your tithe, your, your striped furrows, and they're protected by by That's amazing. Or, yeah. So that's been around for how long? How long oh, have those been? You are looking. Five, six hundred years, maybe a bit and longer. So these basically lumps and bumps, what do you call them? Uh, I, I believe they're called tithing marks. Um, so when you used to pay a tithe to, to the local landowners, 10% of your ah. crop is the general. And that's how they would like split it up? But ah. yes, yes. Yeah. Fascinating. That's, local, that's local, local workers of the land would plough in these stripes. My, so they're left as, uh, my history teacher is probably fuming right now because yeah. guaranteed he told me that in my history lessons. Probably fuming me because I've probably got it completely wrong. <laughs> it was interesting. But I do if know it's wrong, it's a good story. It's <laughs> yeah. a good story. There you go. So we but I do know it's left over from old, uh, from old agricultural work. That's right, yeah. And, and so they protect these. Feeling. I can feel the raindrops. It, actually, people sometimes think, oh, you know, if it's raining and I look outside the window, I'm not going to go for a walk. It's, it's raining. But I, I actually, I love it. I find that, that rain is amazing at kind of making you feel in the present. You're so aware of the sense of touch. You know, we've got these very fine hairs on our arms and different parts of our body that are amazing, not just for warmth, but actually for fine touch. And I think the rain landing on your skin is like a really soothing thing that reduces anxiety and makes you feel actually just really in the moment. Rain like this, yeah. If it's a bit too hard, getting soaked to the skin, that's bone cold, thing. that's a whole different rain. That's, that's very unpleasant. That's but you're not right. the kind this of rain is, uh, friendly. This is friendly This rain. is friendly rain, precisely. It's, it's soft, it's light, it's not expected to last long, so we're not going to get too damp. Um, what else can I feel? Because of the rain, yes, you can feel actually the, the, the sort of, there's a thickness to the air as well, yeah. which is nice, but it's still fresh. But it brings out all of the smells from the hedgerows. Well, rain, yeah, rain is amazing as well, because when, it's, when you've just had fresh rain, often the smell of the grass comes up, and actually moving on to the scent, I can... I can really smell like the hedgerow, that kind of like mm. thick countryside smell, I just call it, you know, like you just, yeah. you just know you're in the countryside and walking by the trees as well. Like 
I love doing this and going through the senses because it makes you really think about the surrounding you're in and anyone listening right now, have a think, what can you smell, what can you see? You might be in the middle of a city, you might be in a park, you might be by the seaside. Hone in on what's around you. Like as I'm talking about the senses, think about it. What can you smell right now? What are the scents? Um, it might be a fresh coffee that you just bought from your local coffee shop. It might be, you know, the smell of the seaside, like lovely kind of salt, fresh aroma that I think you get right by the sea, especially where the waves are crashing. If you're yes. right by the sea, obviously that, sp that spray that comes That's up. That's right. Is, Ozone and oysters. Yes. Oh, is, is a beautiful scent. Mm. Um, taste. Ah, yes. Taste. Well, what you're having a little bottle. Is there anything fancy in that bottle? No, just water. Just water. Nothing fancy. It's, it's, it's good to stay hydrated on a little wonder. Hydration is important. Let's talk a little bit about your stomping toolkit then, because you've got a backpack. You can see, or like a side satchel, I guess. Mm. You've got a bottle of water in hand. What are the things that you must bring or must have with you when you get out on your stomp? Let's have a look. My wellies. Yep. I don't seriously. You can see they've had good use. Yep, they are. A, a, and a good pair of comfy they've wellies. Enjoyed. They've been enjoyed they have, as well. And, as they, and they will continue to be enjoyed for many years to come. Um, so yeah, I, I find wellies are really handy. Summer or winter, by the way. I do have I have my wellies I usually wear in the winter, but like it's still I try and cling on to the light feel of like a, a train. I know this time what you're saying, year. yeah. But it's also it's just the nature of the countryside. I find it's, it's generally quite handy. Stops your legs getting stung in summer when you've got shorts on. That is very see. true. Yeah. That is very you can true. Wade through nettle you mentioned patches. that twice in two minutes. <laughs> I feel like you've been stung by mania nettle in your time. Oh yeah, I learned quickly when moving back to the country. I grew up in the country, but then moving back to the country, you have to re-remember all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You realise how, <laughs> how how painful a lesson it can actually be. That's but right. It, but again, so, yeah, wellies. Wellies and water. Um, I bring a book usually. Yeah, I'll take a stop and a little break. And I might bring a little snack. And that's about it, really. So you like to stomp light? Yes. Not too much stuff. And how, how no. far do you usually go when you go for a walk? It varies. I used to, you see, it's obviously, I mean, health wise these days, I'm not, not as far as I'd like to and want to. Yeah. So I, my walks tend to be limited to sort of half hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, these days. Well, let's talk, I mean, the last time. You know, we've met each other a couple of times now, and I think the last yeah. I saw you when we were at um, Royal Ascot, we were Royal across, Ascot, that's right. we were working on a campaign with Harrogate Water around mindful drinking, yeah. thinking about consumption of alcohol and things. And since then, you've actually had a period of ill health. Of course, you, we talked about your oh. diagnosis. Well, we we talked about it at the time, didn't we? We did. That's right. Yeah, I, I had a little, a small setback. I mean, I, I shouldn't forget you've got you've got medical training, so you're sort of. You should understand what am I going on about, I think. But yeah, so I had a, a small defect in the anastomosis, as it's called, which is where they've sewn, in my case, my colon back onto my rectum, mm -hmm. basically. Sorry if this is going to freak no, anyone no, out. So, <laughs> so if anyone listening, we, we, we're gonna, trigger warning, yeah. I guess, we're going to talk about um, surgery and about um, cancer, because that was your diagnosis, I believe. It was, that's right, um, yes, yeah, rectal so cancer. So you were diagnosed with rectal cancer. Mm -hmm. You underwent surgery. Uh, to remove the the tumor did you have um chemotherapy i did yeah yeah did. so um yeah because i was staged quite late in the game um it took me a while to get seen because obviously in my 40s i'm below the sort of general screening yeah. ages you know and, and a lot of the symptoms for for bowel cancer aren't too different from a lot of much more minor ailments to be fair you know could have polyps maybe a bit of ibs mm -hmm. stuff like this you know there's all sorts of stuff that's going on um and so doctors are sort of quite wary about pushing you forward at that age. Um, so it sort of took me a while to get seen. But then when I did get seen, and they finally chucked a camera mm -hmm. in the back and had a look, and yes, the endoscopist was, uh, that's a big tumour. Okay. And so it came in staged as- uh, how, long, how long ago, sorry, was this? Uh, that was, when did I get it seen? It was April last year, I was having really bad effects. So it was by August last year. 
yeah, beginning of August last year. And, um, yeah, so that was a, a T4 tumor, which for those that don't know, they go one, two, three, and four. Four's the biggest, basically. So um, a significant tumor. A significant right? tumor. And that must exactly. have been a real, a real shock. I can, well, I can only imagine what that yeah, felt like. Yeah. How old are you now, then? Uh, 47 now. 47. So, yeah. you know, so as a young man, at the time. as a young man, having that diagnosis, I guess, I, I, well, I can only guess it was not what you're expecting. A lot of people, I guess, go and think, oh, I hope I'll have it all clear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you hope it's just hemorrhoids or something like this, you know, when, when you're sort of getting yourself looked at as well, you know. Um, it should be just something really easy to sort out. That's what I kept, kept telling myself until, you know, as I say, the endoscopist just had a look and the gastroenterologist had a look and he's just gone, yeah, no, that's cheap. You're going to need to see an oncologist about this. And so then, I don't know. What happened I'm, next? I'm quite stoic when it comes to dealing with this sort of stuff, right? I, it didn't take me very long to start going, okay, so that's what it is. So I just found out a little more about it, just to be informed what's going to happen to me, what's happening to my body, before you start your hospital journey, your treatment journey, um, which really helped, because then at that point you can rationalise things. Did you have a period of real shock? Were, were, or did you kind of move through into acceptance? I, I got to acceptance really quickly. I think there were maybe two or three moments in the first few weeks after diagnosis where you just suddenly catch yourself, I don't know, brushing your teeth in the morning, so you look up in the mirror and go, fuck, I've got cancer, man. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, sorry yeah. for swearing, but no, yeah. no, I literally think, it would be like that. I think that. that's very fair right? for you to say and, that. And then, and then, you, <laughs> and then, you, and then you know, you carry on brushing your teeth and you brush it aside. You go, okay, cool. I've expressed that, but this is what I've got. Welcome to the woods, by the way. This is Badby Woods. We're now, we are now in Badby Woods. We've just entered, we've gone from a beautiful kind of rolling, I think a rolling hilltop. Yeah, say, yeah. The allotments and cricket field just at the top oh, there. But this <laughs> is a thick, thick wood. You can probably hear, actually, from the change in our in, in, in the sound of the audio, I wonder actually, people listening, if you can tell that we went from a big outside space to the trees, because everything's much closer now, and it's amazing actually just to be in the in the woods. Yeah, it's a stillness, isn't there? Right, you can feel it, can't you? See, this is why I like woodland walks. It's really still, and it's almost just stopping for a minute. Should we stop? There's something beautiful about that silence, isn't there? And you don't have absolute silence in London, do you? No, not quite like This that. is why you moved, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I can see yeah. why. And, and woods, I find, provide a little interest on the walk as well. It's, it's an ever-changing texture. Well, there's always something to thing. see and touch and feel, and like you walk, right. walk past the leaves. And... So, so just going back to what you were saying there, so you had symptoms that you were kind of concerned about. You mm. went to your doctor, your GP, I guess. Yeah. They referred you under what we call a two-week wait. No, I didn't, yeah, get, I didn't get to okay. WW. Actually, no, I, I was referred, but it was months ahead. Okay, because a two-week two wait. wait, if someone hits criteria of concern, that's when that's they're, right. they're referred um, quickly. And, it uh, took, actually, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to say, it did. It, it took a second visit to A&E in excruciating oh, really? pain, where nothing oh, was moving so again. Sorry. So no, it's all right. And so I you saw, went in uh, obstruction at the time, or well, just, just constipation? Yeah, constipation, but to the point where literally like, nothing would move for maybe four or five days. Oh, um, and, and obviously, you know, you can imagine that builds up and you're, and you're in pain, because yeah. you can't just not eat for four or five no. days. No, you just no. eat less, but you still have to eat. Anyhow, so it was a hospital GP who described herself as actually, I'm like your normal GP, but just sort of a bit better. <laughs> it's honestly how she described herself. Um, okay. But yeah, she took one look at my referral and, and, and bumped it forward to the next morning. Okay. Yeah, okay. and okay. said, yeah, no, I can see. And I think this was also part of the difficulty of the, the lack of face-to-face -face stuff that was going on, because yes. let, let's bear in mind, we were still rolling through various restrictions and so on. Well, there's a um, huge, the restrictions, there's a huge number of cases being uh, yeah. seen uh, over 
like kind of telecommunications over Zoom right. or whatever, rather than in person. And of course, there's a slimmed down service in many ways. And we know, mm. I think in years to come, I'm sure we'll look back and see the effect of the pandemic, not just on the immediate yeah. treatments, but also on the kind of yeah. cancer side of things as well, of course. Yeah, well, that's right. But and also it sort of depends on the patient as well. I think that, you know, while there are, there's a huge amount of things that can be done just by talking to someone over the phone or, or on a video link, um, as, a, as I say, I'm quite stoic about the whole things. I'm one of those people that just suddenly goes, it's all right, it's just a minor thing, I'll get over it. No, I'm not in that much pain. Can I say so to it, you, Jai, there's so many yeah. men that I've seen in my time in A&E that I wish, I'd say, stop being so stoic. Yes. If you're in pain, man, please tell me. Tell you're me you're in pain, in pain. that's and, right. And I hope for anyone listening, like, if you've got symptoms you're worried about, it sounds like you, re you really did take ownership of them. I'm not saying you did yeah, at all. Yeah, but, but the but doctor, take the doctor who took ownership, she said, I can yes. see you're in pain, you yes. need to be seen. <laughs> please, people, if you have symptoms you're concerned about, be seen, and we'll, we'll come on to a little bit more in, in a few minutes, but I, I would just take the moment to say, like, when it comes to um, bowel cancer, the really important thing is to recognize any change in your normal bowel habits, whether that's how the poo looks, whether how it's how regularly you go into the toilet, whether you're constipated or not, whether there is any mucus in there uh, added to the poo, and especially if there's any blood. Also, we talk about systemic features, so if you've lost any weight mm -hmm. that's not expected, you've lost energy, you're not sleeping, you feel different. If you've got these things together with any change in bowel habits, please just go and see your doctor yeah. and really say, look, this isn't normal for me. And I think that's the key point. Almost with most illnesses, if something is different, if it's different for you, and it's not about one day and it's changed, but if it's a few weeks of something not that's being right, the same, yeah. just go and get checked, please. Yeah, yes. But as I say, it's still also tough because you might be going, even after a few weeks, I'm sort of going, oh yeah, but I haven't really been eating as well as I should, so maybe that's the reason. So, yeah. But you're right, you have to sort of get over that as well. But yeah, so you, uh, you, 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 know, you find ways to justify it. And so tell so you were diagnosed just over a year ago mm -hmm. with, with cancer, with, with bowel cancer. Yeah. And you underwent surgery to remove the tumour and reconnect parts of your bowel. Did you have a stoma for a period of time? You must have done for a... You've got a, you have got a stoma. I have a stoma. Yeah. There you go. So people that are listening and, and can't see, um, so Merlin just sh showed his stoma bag. So basically what a stoma bag is quite literally there to collect the poo that you'd otherwise yep. pass out the back passage. So that collects in a bag that's external. So basically you bring mm. a bit of bowel to the surface, the poo collects in the bag, then that bag is changed. Just effectively to sum up how, how it kind of works. Now some people might have that permanently, some people might have it temporarily to allow the bowel to kind of recover, isn't it? That's right, And yeah. it's not just cancer, people can have infections that cause it, or people can have uh, even stabbings we see yeah, in London. Crohn's. Crohn's disease is another reason why Quite someone lot, might, yeah. might have uh, a stoma bag. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that journey with, with kind of the stoma. How did you feel about having one? And yeah, what is the plan? Because I, I understand recently you had emergency surgery, well, is yeah. that right? Um, I mean, yeah, it wasn't full surgery. It was just, just it was, um, it's, it's transanal stuff under, under general anaesthetic. So thankfully nothing, uh, I mean, it's still invasive, but it's not yeah. invasive with, with knives. Um, so using a camera technique. So yeah, around, using yeah. a camera and tools um, to, to go and in. Was that, what was the body's that natural openings, shall we say, um, and, and deal with stuff. Because as I say, yeah, so the join where they put you back together, and this is why they wanted you to heal, so you get this nuclear ileostomy, is, is to allow your bowels to heal before they come back into use. Um, yeah, just had a few problems healing, so that's why I was back in there. But I mean, as far as having one goes, you're right, it's a bit of a shock. I was always quite clear up front. If there's a chance of not having one, yeah. please, can I not have one? Yeah. And it quickly sort of, it took a, that, that bit actually more than anything, more than cancer, took more dealing with, really? I think, than the rest okay. of it. Suddenly realizing your body is not going to function as usual anymore. 
it was, do you know what? There was a really clear moment when I was in recovery just before I came back and I'm in hospital and one of the lovely nurses there, uh, Eula, I think her name was, and what I'd been doing was breaking down the whole process into one step at a time, because otherwise it can just be really too much. So it's like today, I'm gonna to stop using the intravenous pain yeah. uh, anesthetic. Don't want it, it's useless stuff, it's, it's holding me back. You know, the next day, I'm gonna make sure I can get in and out of bed and into, into a chair. Next day, I'm gonna make sure I can stand and walk. Mm. And then I was just like, as each one of these pipes and drains comes out of my body, that's the next step. And I'd left the stoma until last because it was the one that scared me the most. And she came in one day and went, listen, the sooner you get your, and she told me directly, this was brilliant, by the way, you don't expect nurses to speak like this, right? She goes, listen, sort yourself out. The sooner you come to grips with that, the sooner you come to terms with that, the easier this whole thing's gonna be. She goes, we can't keep coming in here and emptying it and changing it for you. You've got to do that yourself because you're gonna have it for months. Yeah. yeah. So she goes, learn it, deal with it, get over it. Are you happy you to show your, your stoma? Can we see? Yeah, of course. Why not? part of me now isn't it yeah so mr um, noisy so how long has it been there for uh the since for? uh april this year so what are you hey june july august uh, five months five months and mm. uh, what is the ongoing plan with the stone are you going to keep it so is it planned no to plan reverse? is still to reverse reverse yeah. absolutely yeah. um and i will take the rough with the smooth on what that entails yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which yeah. again you know with with your with your knowledge you sort of possibly understand knowing that i have also had um, again, I'm sorry to be really gross for, for anyone listening, but I've had my rectum removed, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so while the muscle and the opening is still there, that's all fine. The part that stores it is not. So I'm going to have a good six to eight weeks of teaching my body basically how to go. Retraining. Yeah. That's so, right. So you've got your... Um, Nappies. The, the, external, <laughs> the external part of your back passages is the anus, and that's kind of the bit that we kind of... Yeah control we have a, a voluntary and involuntary part of the rectum which we can part of it can control part of it can't but that as you mm. say is where poo literally sits in the departure lounge yes. before it's ready to go yeah uh, my departure and, lounge is gone and so without the departure lounge you have to kind of you know retrain your body isn't it mm. to, to well, you've control. also lost the nerves that tell you something needs to depart yeah so you really yeah it's a, it's a whole new i don't know so that's the next big scary bit to come but in the meantime i've got to wait for the healing to happen um you know i must ask you we've talked a lot about physical symptoms about things you've experienced physically mm. how are you because what you've gone through is life-changing i think that's fair to say how, yeah, how are you how is merlin really i'm all right you know i'm all right i'm just frustrated because i can't do what i'm used to doing you're a high energy person i know that well yeah well, I'm active. I, I never really quite realized how active you know for me it was just like this is how i live my life you know you, you work your bar like you know only my own pub i do a lot of my own maintenance and diy there as well so that keeps you busy i used to cycle a, a stupid amount um last ride i did was april last year mm -hmm. and it was just shy of 100 miles wow. some friends but instead of feeling energized after it i crashed hard when you were saying about the fatigue and not feeling quite right mm -hmm. yeah i crashed really hard after that i'm like something's really not right here mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was literally the beginning of all the symptoms. That was the last time I... So not being able to cycle is, is frustrating. I finally got out on a bike about a week ago. And how was little... that for you? How did that feel? It was exhausting. I went four... <laughs> I, went four honestly, I thought you were say exhilarating. I was actually knackered. It, it was exhilarating for the first 10 minutes. And then after that, it was actually just a lot more... The thing is, when you, when you pass 40, you don't really realise if you're, if you're maintaining your activity levels. But a year not being active properly, it plummets fitness absolutely plummets i'm about five six kilos over where i'd like to be i can't cycle more than four miles without collapsing in a panting heap for another half an hour to recover afterwards um you know and so yeah how am i i'm good but i'm just frustrated not being able to be what i was and that's where you want to be back to you asked to go chemotherapy earlier right so i did it's called capox so 
they inject you with a platinum-based stuff every few weeks, and you take these tablets. It's, and it's all fine. I got away lucky with that, right? Didn't shrink the tumor enough, so then I went into radiotherapy, long-course radiotherapy with additional chemo on top. That shrunk it enough to be able to operate. Now, the upshot, though, of all that, yes, as I say, that's, that's where it affects your activity and, and, your, and your health. And, and the fact is that it leaves you very, very tired. That's affected the healing. It's why I'm not getting better quickly. Radiotherapy knacks your body's ability to heal. This is what the surgeon's been saying. I want to be back to that health though. At the end of it, when I had my final histology, it was three out of 15 lymph found to have a cancer cell in. Okay. Two very close, R-naught as they call it, which basically means they've got the whole, the resection, they've taken the whole tumor out clean. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Good. Robotically as well, by the way. Yeah, wow, okay, robotic yeah. surgery. Yeah, I have full robotic surgery. It's, it's crazy, one of, their, one, of the, one of their earliest stops at uh, Coventry. Wow. It's, it's very new for them, to, uh, this, this system, which is great. Um, but still, so they got it all out clean. Two of those lymphs were right close to the tumour, okay. right? So that's fine. Oncologist wasn't worried. One though, just one. And you're talking a single bleeding cancer cell. One cell yeah. in one lymph gland, yeah. right at the end of the taper, where they take out a whole bit of, uh, a whole bit of uh, blood vessels, yeah. you know, uh, that feed that part of the colon yes. they've removed. So they found one, so he wanted to do more chemo. Um, but he goes, but you've had chemo before. So he goes, I don't know how much it's going to do for you. Because the first time I had the chemo, didn't really do a lot. It, yeah. was, the, it was the radiotherapy that did it. Um, and he goes, I've not been in this situation. Because I started on the one oncologist who wanted to do therapy up front and then moved over to another one who normally does therapy afterwards. Yeah. So he goes, I've asked all my colleagues and only one of them said you should have it. And he goes, the rest of us go, it's up to you. So I said, no. I said, no to more chemo. So I thought, I'm not going to put myself through that nonsense again. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was for what is statistically an infinitesimal yeah tiny little tiny bit. tiny percentage increase which i felt and was confirmed by the oncologist could be equally well done through getting back to health yeah and so that's the key now it's heading back to health essentially the core of what you've had is surgery to move the tumor and yeah. um, then we have options for chemotherapy some people have it before some people have it after sometimes both and then radiotherapy which is essentially using radio frequency to kill the cells isn't it? and targeted yeah. um targeting at those cells so it depends on the person what kind of cancer you have, where it is, where it's spread to is the kind of treatments that, that you may have. But I think the reality is, and it's really important to say, is that I think sometimes people think, oh yeah, it's fine, go and have this. You know, everyone sees the surgery is the big part. But actually for a lot of people, the chemotherapy, the radiotherapy, the effect that it has in your body can be yeah. huge. And also, let's not forget your emotional health as well, mm. and your mental health. It can mm. be a real drain on that kind of life energy, I think. It is, it, yeah, it's exhausting. So I say, I got away lucky. I've joined, a, I'm on a few Facebook groups where People are going through this and you, you read some oh heartbreaking stories really some people get the real worst of it but you're and at the moment you're kind of i mean we, we've walked now through kind of up and down hilly areas we've walked through mm. forestry well, how are you feeling physically there. how are you getting how are you getting on um yeah as, as you can see better look i still sweat on a walk like this you see my fitness is gone my fitness is gone it hurts Alex. but it you're hurts. doing you're doing amazing the focus is on the future yeah um and that's what it's all about. Of course, I think as we come to the end of part one, what I do want people to understand is the reality of what can happen and why it's so important that if you do get that screening call coming through to check, which is poo in a pot essentially, or you do have symptoms you're worried about, act upon them because mm. you can, in some cases, not all, but in some cases, you know, you can really, if you catch something sooner, it's better. That's yeah. almost always the case in any part of medicine. I've got this a year or two Sooner, before. sooner, the better. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode of me and Merlin Griffiths in Badby Woods. If you're not finished stomping yet, 
Make sure to go and listen to part two now or come back to catch up on tomorrow's stomp. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 